0: Hey everyone, I've got some exciting news for you. My brand new book, E-commerce Growth Strategy, A Brand Driven Approach to Attract Shoppers, Build Community and Retain Customers is out now. Want to catapult your brand from obscurity to unstoppable? This is the guide you've been waiting for. Drawing from years on hands-on experience and insights from this podcast, from over 400 episodes we've recorded, have distilled everything into one essential playbook whether you're a founder an e-commerce executive or a c-suite bigwig this book has got something for you so head over to amazon or any major book website and grab a copy let's turn those insights into bottom line growth your journey from zero to iconic starts here
1: some brands uh, for cash flow reasons, want more money up front to be able to reinvest back in inventory and customer growth. right? Other brands would prefer to convert more customers because they understand their lifetime value is higher. So they're okay at the beginning to make less money. <laughs> If you have limited resources, be it time, budget, whatever, to invest in this, you want to get as close to the money as possible, which means probably is going to be on your PDP of your most popular product, which you know what that is, or your most popular bundle, which you should know what that is. Um, And then you need to do it on the most popular view of that page. Conversion rate would be like... uh, going to your gym and asking what is the average bench press of a male my age, and they're going to give you something maybe higher than what you have, right? Are you immediately going to be able to get there? Absolutely not. You have to put in work to figure out how to to improve yourself to what that industry standard is.
0: (laughs) So on today's episode, you're going to find out about the only four page types that matter in your front-end customer journey. It's a great episode you don't want to miss, so do stay tuned. This is the 2X e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. Welcome to the 2X e-commerce podcast. I'm your host, Kunle Campbell. And, you know, this podcast is dedicated to growth, rapid growth in in e-commerce, now today's guest has been on the podcast prior. We're talking like five years ago, I think, season four, episode forty-nine. Um, if you're just checking it out, if you want to check it out, and I, I think on on our website, um, if you want, it's episode two one six. So it's it's been a while, and I'm really looking forward to to speaking with him. So Chase. Chase Clymer is the co-founder of Electric Eye, where he and his team create Shopify-powered sales machines from strategic design and development decisions. He's also the host of Honest E-commerce. I'll link to it in the show notes. Very, very good podcast. It's a weekly podcast where we provide online store owners and honest with honest, actionable advice to increase their sales and grow their businesses. It's been a while, my friend. Chase, welcome to the podcast.
1: Oh, I'm excited to be here. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna even go and check out our old episode uh just to see if I am any better at talking.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. There's there's a good comparison there just to see how far you've come. Um, but you know, well done with the podcast. I've I've listened to it a few times and I the, the sometimes you you go to conferences and you you, you essentially are the podcaster at conferences, really big conferences really good stuff where what, what what have we missed it's it's been 5 years and um you know how 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 are you
1: i'm i'm doing well uh yeah the podcast i don't know how we've done it but i think we put out an episode at least an episode a week for the last forever i think we missed one um along the way but so we've done that we've also started doing a lot of bonus episodes Uh, The podcast itself, though, these days, I'm really... The main feed is me interviewing brand founders, asking them exactly how they did it. So I'm talking to multi-million dollar brands. They're telling me where the idea came from, how they validated it, how they found their first customers, how they scaled it, and what the heck's going on now. It's really conversational and fun. I do believe... I've listened to some of the first dozen episodes of the podcast and compared to now... uh, you can get better at something you're bad at. And so I believe we put out some pretty cool content Fantastic. In that Fantastic. Guys,
0: go check it out. I'll link to to honest, you know, e-commerce in, in the show notes or just type out honest e-commerce on your favorite podcasting app. All right, let's jump right in. I, I want us to... Do you want to give people a little bit of your backstory so people just have some context? Those lazy... Those people who are lazy, who don't want to necessarily check out the previous episode, give us some, introduce yourself. I I know you're the co-founder of of Electric Eye, fantastic CR and web experience agency. Who who is Chase?
1: Who is Chase? Oh my gosh, you sound like a therapist. (laughs) Um, I... (laughs) I am uh, g- earning all of my gray hair. So, Sean and I, I my business partner, we've been running Electric Eye uh, for seven or eight years now. And we've kind of done everything under the sun at the agency. Uh, and kind of as agencies grow, they usually like, they learn what they like to do. And so, we really narrowed our focus into the front end of Shopify themes. Um, so, we're doing a lot of work on Shopify themes, optimizing them, migrating people from poopy platforms to Shopify. Holler at me if you hate being on Magento. We can help you get over to the the truth over there on (laughs) Shopify. Um, But yeah, so we just do a lot of like design projects and then um, also like ongoing CRO stuff. So it's all front end in the theme stuff. Um, So that's what we're up to down at the agency. And then about five years ago, obviously, uh, is when I started doing uh, the podcast. Um, But yeah, these days it's a lot of just uh, helping. People make their website better, Uh, and it's it's a lot of fun, and I really enjoy my job. I don't know that's what I'm up to.
0: So, do you do you do you focus on any vertical or or industry with 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 the designs and themes, or are you are you cross cross industry?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It seems we have a lot of experience in like apparel, lifestyle goods, uh, fashion accessories. Gotten into like supplements a lot, like subscription. We got a lot of stuff in there, Uh, and then we dabbled in some like digital stuff. Um, You know, we're we're not necessarily super specific to any any specific vertical, just because we kind of get bored. And it's more like what excites us, and can we truly help somebody?
0: Super exciting! Super exciting! And in the last, most recent times, I would need say last 12 months, what's been your most exciting project from, from a web experience standpoint? Ooh. Electric Eye.
1: Yeah. What can I talk about? Um, well, right now we're, uh, we're bidding on a project with a famous producer to help them build out like, a new uh, digital downloads uh, type product for like uh, um, okay. audio plugins. So, that one's like exciting just from like uh, my history and background of wow. being a musician. Um, but a lot of what we've done is a lot of upgrades to, to 2.0, and within those processes, like adding cool features and functionalities, they're actually going to raise their average order value or raise their conversion rate. Um, we've done a few migrations from uh, some interesting platforms to Shopify. I, I can remember a WooCommerce one right off the top of my head. Um, Squarespace ones are pretty straightforward. It's funny how. Uh, many merchants start on Squarespace and realize like how limiting mm-hmm. that advertising platform is and, and need to move over it's 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 around the million dollar mark they're like this, this Squarespace <laughs> sucks and I'm like yeah <laughs> um, but yeah just a lot of it's, well I, like one of the common themes I think with people that reach out to us is they're like hey we built something cool and I'm like yeah you have this is awesome business you got here and they're like what do we do now like how do we make this better how do we make the experience better which, I didn't have an answer for that, uh, you know, five Mm. years ago when we first spoke, probably. Um, But these days, we Mm. kind of do have a better answer for that. And we kind of walk them through what we call our Shopify diagnostic, um, which we're going to talk about on the show. Mm. Spoiler alert. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's it's just... um, uh, what what I find with merchants is they're passionate about their product or mm-hmm. the problem that product solves. They're not nerds. They don't understand the customer journey. They don't understand, uh, you know, mm-hmm. how to get rid of blockers in the buying process. Like conversion rate optimization mm-hmm. is just not their bag. They're like, I know mm-hmm. how to talk to customers and make a cool product. So it's like, yeah, we come in and we do kind of the more fun, mm-hmm. fun to us, nerdy stuff on helping them kind of raise mm-hmm. that average mm-hmm. order value and conversion rate. Or revenue per visitor, mm-hmm. I guess, is like the, the big so, so one.
0: you're you're still in 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 the design phase, and then you're in the optimization phase. Also, so so you, you offer both services. If, if I'm not um, if, if I'm getting you right,
1: yeah, I I mean it's design is a funny word. Uh, it means many things to many different people, um, but like on the the front end of like a store. That is a design, and there are choices made within the design that impact the performance of your store. Not necessarily from like a page mm-hmm. speed perspective, but from a like, are it is it helping the customer put the product in their cart uh, mm-hmm. faster <laughs> or, or whatnot? Uh, and, and you know, we can get really into the weeds on like what is conversion rate optimization and like how, what's mm-hmm. the thought process behind all that stuff. Uh, but all of it just goes back to design and understanding just make it easier for your customers to answer their own questions Amazing. and buy the thing they want. Interesting.
0: I've been meaning to, to ask you this question. Is Electric Eye based on on the album on the Judas Priest album Electric Eye?
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Dude, go, go watch. <laughs> Everyone stop listening to this podcast and go just Google Judas Priest Electric Eye and there's a YouTube video from them playing some huge uh, yeah. like festival and the drum risers is like 12 <laughs> feet tall. It's
0: hilarious. I have it. it. I have it. I'll right check it out after this convo. Okay. right. right. Let's jump right into the meat of this. We're talking about customer journeys here. What should, yes. what are the first principles? I always like to to, to get into the fundamental principles of any, any discipline Listener should be aware of when they are essentially crafting the customer journey and i'm talking about the front end customer journey because that's that's where you guys specialize in so do you have any tenets mm-hmm. or or rules that 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 are just immutable
1: yeah so um like i said we're the shopify diagnostic we divided it up into three things and the first thing i guess would be the ux right the user experience of store um, and we're looking specifically at pages that are most impactful in that customer journey. So the first page is going to be the homepage, and that one's a little more generic because within the homepage, we're specifically looking at the navigation of this website, like their their menus and the linking and all that stuff. We're looking at the footer, looking at kind of like pop up, like more more generalized. Uh, overarching elements and choices made within how this website works. And then obviously like the branding and just like, you know, does, does this... Well, here's a big thing that we find on these websites. You'll land on a new prospect website. And this is why I love getting like new prospect forms in my email because I literally i am usually the first time I've ever seen this website. I click on it and I look... Mm-hmm. And if you can't like understand what they are selling from like the, you know, the either on desktop or on mobile, like what it is the product, a lot of people just have like some fancy copy and like a picture that doesn't make sense. And you're like, are they selling shoes or are they selling bags? I can't really figure out what they're selling here. And like that right there is like a a big no no because if you're spending 10, $100,000 $100,000 a month on ads to bring new people to your website and when they land on the, your site they can't immediately understand oh they're selling shoes like that's that's a big kind of oversight there. So anyways, customer journey, right? Back to the, the what we were actually talking about. The pages that we look at for like to find things, opportunities as we call them would be the homepage, then the collection page, the product page, uh cart or side cart, kind of depending on how their store is built out and then kind of into checkout. Uh, those are the most important pages because those are closest to the money. Now you could argue there's some other pages that matter. And maybe I'll give you an example of that here in a minute. But um, those are going to be where the meat and potatoes of like optimization can happen.
0: So your points on on the homepage chimes in really, really well with Donald Miller, um, who, who, who wrote the book, um, Building a Story Brand. And he was talking about like calories, how we we as humans for survival have always liked to preserve our calories. And if you're trying to make a proposition to us and we're burning too many brain calories trying to figure out what it is, you've lost the plot essentially. So keep it simple. Let people know exactly what you know, um, what your homepage, what you do the moment they get on your homepage. So it's really, really good points which I which I chime chime in you know well with. My other point was more around the four key types of pages you know uh, merchants should be paying attention to, so the home pages as you alluded to, collection, the PDP product description, page on the checkout the card to checkout experience. Where do you focus your, your attention um, from a platform standpoint? Is it uh, a mobile, tablet, desktop, given the 8020 rule? Where, where should merchants start this um, introspection, more, more or less, with in their, in their experience?
1: Yeah. Um, if you have limited resources, be it time, budget, whatever, to invest in this, you want to get cl- as close to the money as possible, which means probably is going to be on your PDP of your most popular product, which you know what that is, or your most mm-hmm. popular bundle, which you should know what that is. Um, and then you need to do it on the most popular view of that page. And what I mean by that is like, there's mobile versus desktop. It's probably going to be mobile, but it's really easy to check that stuff in the backend of analytics. And one thing I like to point out when we're doing our Shopify diagnostic is you can just go to conversions by device. It's like an easy view to pull up in Shopify. And you can see the delta between sessions. So you it's basically in settings go to sessions by device, and then you can add conversion rate. And so you can see, like, oh, this paid like this store in general is converting at two point five percent on desktop, but only one point seven five percent on on mobile. You know, mm-hmm. there's always a delta between desktop and mobile. But if you're getting ten times more traffic on mobile, like there's a huge gap there to kind of close in. All of that is profit that you're leaving on the table. So, to your question, what would I what would I look at? Is I would probably look at the mobile experience on the most popular product page to find opportunities.
0: Yeah, so, so really, really good points with regards to 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 to, 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 to essentially, you know, more the mobile experience. You know, um, just optimizing for that first, and then you know, getting into you know, the other aspects of, of, of the website. So, so on, on the homepage, you know, with the real estate on, on a mobile device, it's quite limited. What customer behaviors are you seeing? What customer behaviors are you seeing on the homepage? How do, you know, given the fact this is a, a customer journey, how are you seeing at scale customers behaving on a homepage? What do they do? And, and how do merchants sort of prepare on the other end to meet those expectations?
1: Yeah, uh I think that the homepage design is more important to the founder of a mm-hmm. brand than anyone else. I shit you not. They're not scrolling down that page. They're clicking on your menu and going somewhere else. They are not ever Also, it's 2024. If you have a slideshow in your homepage hero, that's just wasted effort on any behalf and probably wasted performance. Like they're on they're seeing that first thing and they're going somewhere else. Um like a good way to prove what I'm saying here. And by the way, everything I'm saying, take it with a grain of salt Mm -hmm. because you should test everything. Just because some guy on a podcast says it doesn't mean it's true. Your business is unique. But like you can easily install Mm -hmm. a heat mapping software and see how far down the page someone is scrolling. And if most people are only getting 25% down the page, the rest of that Mm -hmm. page arguably is useless. So or... And, or maybe there's super crucial information three fourths the way down the page that you need to get up into that top 25% so people see it and it helps resolve any fear, uncertainty or doubt they have about your product or solution. Um I kind of lost myself in your question. Did you did, you before did. You? and
0: you also talked about the most popular PDP, <clears throat> you know, product description page. What behaviors are you seeing there? You know, um how, how are customers scrutinizing um, you know, product description pages in order for you to squeeze that conversion or squeeze as many conversions as, as possible?
1: Yeah. So I just alluded to mm-hmm. fears, uncertainties, and doubts. That's why people mm-hmm. aren't buying from you. So here are some more global things. Like If your website looks like trash the fear there is this isn't a legit company or the product isn't going to be as good as they say right so there is this underlying kind of power of design that's why people spend thousands of dollars on iPhones is because the design is great right you could argue that it's the same product as some random samsung but you know there that's the power of design and it's the perceived value behind it um, so if you have a bad looking website like that's probably leaving some stuff on the table to get a little more nitty-gritty, right? So some fears that people have about buying stuff would be like will i get this in time if it's like a time-related product? Here's an example. You sell um sunscreen, right? And you're going and the the customer might be going on vacation, they probably want to know how fast that can be shipped to them, right? So if you had that information on your product page like can be delivered, you know, today's february 13th, right? And I'm going on vacation in one week. It's like, oh, like free two day shipping, like guaranteed delivery by the 18th. i will be like, okay, I'm buying this right now because that solves my fear. I'm going to actually get this product. Um, another kind of thing to think about is some some products, uh, especially here in America, people love made in America stuff. And it's like, if you have a made in America product and your demo would respond to that type of stuff, don't hide that. Like. Be proud of it and put it on the the PDP. Put it in a in a you know navigational banner, something like that. Um, on the product page, like you need social proof, right? You need other people talking that this thing solved the problem that they need to solve. You mine mine your reviews to find people talking about the problems this solves in their own language, because that language will resonate with other customers. Um, so you get those social proofs like video unboxing stuff. Um, testimonials. All that stuff helps resolve these fears and uncertainties and doubts about the product solving their problem. Um, Other things would be like return policies, uh, already talked about shipping. Um, That should probably arm any listener that hasn't done any sort of CRO on their product page with a lot to
0: do. Let's take a short pause to hear from our sponsors and we'll be right back. Hey, e-commerce trailblazers! Ready for a game changer in your podcast lineup? I've got just the thing: Tread Secrets, a new podcast that's all about giving you the operational edge in e-commerce. Let's go straight to the chase. Unlike most e-commerce podcasts that dwell on marketing and growth stories, Tread Secrets dives deep into the operational heart of e-commerce. This is where the real magic happens. Why tune in? Because Tread Secrets brings you the knots and bolts of e-commerce success. We're talking the nitty-gritty of inventory hacks, cash flow management, sales strategies, supply chain intricacies, product sourcing secrets, and the ins and outs of financing. It's the operational wisdom you need to keep your business, not just running, but thriving. Hosted by Peter Beckman, CEO of TRED. This podcast is a treasure trove of insights from industry experts and successful e-commerce practitioners. It's like having a round table of mentors each sharing their best kept operational secrets don't let this opportunity slip through your fingers search for tread secrets on your favorite podcast app or visit tread.io/podcast that's t r e y d.io/podcast hit the subscribe button and stay ahead of the dynamic world of e-commerce remember it's t r e y d secrets the podcast where e-commerce operations meets success Tune in now and transform the way you do business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's these, those feelings you, 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 you mentioned, uh, yeah, they're very visceral you know, in, in, in nature. And, it, yeah, you know, it's, it's just down to, to, to what drives us as humans, you know. Fear, uncertainty, FOD. FOD drives us, wh- whether it's in, in politics, whether it's in trade, whether it's in raising our children, you know, whether it's in doing a new thing, we're, we're always scared, but we need to lean into that fear. And if your website helps them lean into that fear, or it essentially eliminates that fear and time on time and uncertainty and, and actually receiving it and doubt if we're legit, then... That principle just sinks in quite deeply in in everything, and that's how you mentioned the, the return policy and the expectations that um, you know they're going to receive it at a specific time, particularly with the with the sunscreen example, which which I found you know quite 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 good. So yeah, good stuff there. Earlier on, you mentioned the sort of pathways for diagnosing pathways in Google Analytics for for diagnosing. Um, diagnosing problems, you know, um, with, 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 with platforms, whether it's mobile versus desktop, seeing if there are any conversion discrepancies, conversion rate discrepancies and seeing where, where to start your, your fixes from, you know, um, <clears throat> with, with that in mind, I'm also seeing merchants removing Google analytics and, and Google products, you know, from, from their websites and, and seeing site speed performance increases. Uh, the, and then they're saying, "Well, I just need to see my metrics for um for for, for Google for I just need to see my metrics for um on Shopify. You know, my 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 customer journey metrics and Shopify, and and they they get the job done. So, you, you know, just analysis in in this in, in what you do is is very important. Um, is are they are there any analytic tools outside of Google Analytics um, that? Know, merchants can use to really diagnose. Yeah. I, I yeah. know
1: the I know the question you want me to answer. And it's what the listeners want. They want me to talk about the tech stack <laughs> that we use. They're <laughs> nerds. They they want to know specific things. I get it. Dude, I have a podcast too. Yeah. It, those, are the, those are the things people want to hear. Okay. We're using IntelliGems, all right, everybody. For A B testing, IntelliGems is awesome. We're using that for all of our clients that want to do split testing. It gives you a lot of analytics. It gives you the, the statistical significance mm-hmm. for wins when you're doing split testing. That's great. You know what we're not using? Okay. We're not using Google Analytics at all. Uh, we we don't tell our clients to get rid of it. I feel like that's a big choice that certain brands can do at certain levels. Um, we don't do any marketing or advertising either. But our efforts definitely play into that. And if that's something that someone's leaning into, I got to shout out my boys. Here from Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. Triple Whale is usually what we're, we're recommending to people. Um, Max, his mm-hmm. brother, went to high school with my business partner. So it's just a small Columbus, Ohio uh, group of uh, e commerce nerds around here. Um, there's some other great solutions out there for, for mm-hmm. both of those things. Those are our preferred solutions to your questions on mm-hmm. uh, analytics around CRO. Um, but I got to say, I mean, Shopify is, is lackluster, but it gives you enough to do what you need in for i would say uh for a six figure merchant more than enough for a seven figure merchant more than enough probably eight and nine you know you can afford some more customized business intelligence solutions that are specific to your profitability from tip to tail like it, you're you're looking beyond just your your front end elements you're looking into you know uh sourcing and, and stuff, per level product stuff. stuff. I
0: didn't realize that um, triple Wheel was in Connecticut. So interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um let's jump into into product pages. I know you've you already spoken to the to the FOD on on product pages. Is are there any other key points in, in the customer journey in regards to product pages listeners should be aware of?
1: Yeah. So I guess this goes hand in hand with the product page cuz it's more about it's about the product so it goes back to okay so there's three driving factors behind like your store as far as like how you're making your money there's your conversion rate there is your sessions right so this is that's basically marketing and advertising job is to get eyeballs to your site right and then there's your average order value and that kind of goes back to your offer and you can't manipulate your offer without like in thinking about your product and so now this is where things get more interesting and creative and there isn't a one size fits all solution but you can increase your conversion rate by having a better offer you can also increase your average order value by having a better offer and this all kind of comes down to like what is your product right and where is the price point of your product what type of product is it is it more luxury more commodity right so let's go with commodity angle Um, Say you've got a CPG brand as food or something like that, Um, something that's consumable. Um, You can build an offer that's like, buy more, save more. And then you should play around on your product page of testing those solutions of like what is the default amount that we're presenting to customers on this page. How do we present these savings to the customer? What resonates with them more? Uh, Is it like, you know, money off is the savings or like free product is what resonates? By the way, free product usually Hmm. resonates better than money off. Interesting. Sometimes, I don't know, split test it. But there's a lot of stuff to test there, right? So say it's like... like chips, right? Uh, Bags of chips, which are an interesting product to sell online, but you don't just want to send one bag of chips because it's like a $4 item that AOV like you're going to pay more on shipping than to get that thing there. So you're probably bundling this thing up into like a case. So you're probably going to have like, you know, a half a case or a full case. And you give them some awesome savings on the full case. And then also into something like that, that's consumable. I would say this goes more towards revenue optimization for lifetime value. But it's like, if you don't have subscriptions set up, you're leaving money on the table. There are going to be some customers that will let you send them chips every month. Um, So there's a lot of optimization around how much product Mm. someone is receiving in a given time uh, and if they can get more of that product faster. Um, So on the flip side, though, if you're talking about something that is not a commodity, where a value play, like more of the product is a good idea. Like If I'm buying a couch online, I don't need Mm -hmm. more than one couch. More than likely. Um, So in that angle, you got to think about how can I drive up the perceived value. Uh, A good example of this actually... I'm not going to use couches. I'm going to use mattresses. Um, For the longest time, one of the big mattress brands, I think it was Purple, they were really famous for never discounting. But what they would do with their sales is they would throw in like these luxury sheet sets If you bought the product. So it was a value add and they weren't discounting, but that made me feel like I was getting the deal. So that incentivized me to buy. And all of this conversation is around manipulating the offer to increase the average order value of the site or increase conversions of the site. Um, And so that's, I would say, like 200 level CRO. 100 level is like manipulating what's on the page. Uh, and then 200 is more getting into the the, the strategy and psychology around the offer. And that's where you can really make a lot of money.
0: Yeah. And I always think offer stacks when, when you stack, you know, the offers up, you know, think about it like a hamburger or something, you know, where it's, Mm -hmm. it's just stacked up. super, super interesting. I like the dichotomy you painted here from, um, commodities and, and luxuries, you know, um, and, and also LTV, you know, optimizing for, 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 for revenue, lifetime revenue and versus, um, wanting to make, you know, all the money upfront because you know, the next time they're going to come with maybe 10 years from now. Um, so, so super interesting there, super interesting. Okay. So with the cut to, to, to check out, you know, um, experience, what are you seeing work, particularly on mobile devices? And um, given the fact that Shopify is a bit rigid in in that bit of of the experience, I know that there is some flexibility with um, with, with, with the checkout, you know, um JS or library. Um, but yeah, I'd love for you to just shed light on on transitioning converted, more or less, you know, um, added to carts. Um, uh, um, you know, segments to, to towards, um, you know, checking out and eventually purchasing as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah. And this shopping, is a have great, anything
0: to do with, do with it?
1: This is a great question to ask as a follow up to what we just talked about. Uh, Cause we're all, we're talking about offers, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, you have a customer that puts something in their cart. Now they are more likely to put more stuff in their cart. That is a fact. That is not an opinion. Uh, there's a bunch of data out there to back up what I just said. So anyways, you have this customer that has something in their cart. And I the, one of the more common things we find that are overlooked is they are not uh, doing any upsells or cross-sells after the fact. And I feel a lot of founders don't want to be salesy or pushy. And it's like, no, 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 take it back, take it back. Imagine if you're standing in a bodega selling your product to a customer and you know they just put product X in their cart and product Y goes perfect for them and they need it. In that moment, if you present that extra offer to that customer, they're not going to be mad. They're going to be happy because you're helping them. right? Mm -hmm. So if you come take that mindset and put it into your store, and you want to present good offers and put more things in their cart that are going to help them with their problem, customers are happy to buy, but they don't like to be sold. So it needs to match the experience of the site. The offers need to make sense. and a lot of merchants just aren't doing any cross sells or upsells. Like we every every month when we're onboarding a new client, this is not something they've ever looked at. So the best place to put it would be before checkout in your side cart. If it makes again, it has to make sense for your product and your offer and like what's in the cart and Shopify has some really really cool out of the box Features of their APIs that you can use to help power some of these things. Mm-hmm. Then there's some awesome apps out there in the ecosystem that also help you do this stuff. Um, but here's an exa- like going back to the commodity example: if I put one bag of chips in my cart and I go to checkout, and it's like, hey, add two bags of chips for the price of one more. You know, if that offer upsell isn't in the side cart before I go to checkout. I'm leaving money on the table because it's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm already gonna do it, and you know, that's a pretty good deal. Like you're gonna see a good a redemption rate, and that's just that's just free money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another place that literally is free money <laughs> is honestly post-purchase. They have already completed the purchase, and you just add ask them if they want to add more to their cart. They've already given you the money. There's no way they're going to cancel that because you present them with another offer. It's like that, that is a place that is often overlooked um, and then you can actually these days uh, depending on what um, if you're on plus or not etc you can actually present these offers within checkout um, so all of that plays into kind of the average order value gamification of these strategies less about conversion rate um, but raising your average order value, directly increases your return on ad spend if that's a metric that you that you care about or your marketing team cares about um i had another thing i wanted to say which is kind of shopify has recently released uh one page checkout versus the multi page checkout that they had yet to see a big like report where that really mattered mm-hmm. shopify's checkout everyone was used to it that's the thing about When people get used to how things work, Mm -hmm. you know there is kind of like a point where it doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And to that, I maybe it's a good transition to talk about like the just you need to be testing for testing's sake because not every test is a winner. Some tests actually will lose you money. Some most tests won't. Do anything, it just it won't make you or break you any money. But there'll be that one test out of you know every five or ten tests that truly impact these KPIs that we're talking about, mm-hmm. and that's what makes mm-hmm. it worthwhile.
0: I, I like that. I like that. that. That's. I think it's also it's a mindset thing, right? So environments in which you're punished for mistakes, you just wouldn't mm-hmm. want to experiment. <laughs> you just know. There's there's going to be a sanction there, and so, so so if if the culture in in the no matter how small or big you are encourages you know um, experimentation, then you know by all means just keep keep it what what Chase is doing, and essentially love those failures, and and eventually you know you find you find those those winners that make the impact. So, so Chase, thanks thanks for that. One point I wanted to, to make and ask actually not not even make I wanted to ask is conversion rates. So, so typically, you, you know, these you find these industry benchmarks, and you know, um, you, you also find this, um, yeah, industry benchmarks that talk about conversion rates. You know, being three percent. You know, typically, e-commerce conversion rates are three percent, but that's very nuanced, right? It's it's very nuanced. How what? How would you view conversion rates? It's it's certainly not an an apple for for apple comparison, you know. Um, depending on the businesses, what's your take on an expected conversion rates?
1: Absolutely, I I don't compare yourself to anybody else. Uh, I would say like conversion rate would be like. Uh, going to your gym and asking what is the average bench press of a male my age, mm-hmm. and they're going to give you something maybe higher than what you have, right? Are you immediately going to be able to get there? Absolutely not. You have to put in work to figure out how to to improve yourself to what that industry standard is, right? So I think what, what these benchmarks can do is uh, help you identify, is there Opportunity to improve this KPI with my business, maybe, but it's it doesn't matter because your starting point is your starting point, and that's all you need to worry about Mm because you're going to start at whatever your number is and just iteratively improve from there. Uh, There's no magic bullets out here; like it's just you start where you start. Um, But I, I do kind of use these benchmarks when I'm going through these diagnostics with people, and I'm like, hey, this seems low for these reasons, right? There, there, are these reasons just from my, you know, I've been in the game for so long. I've had clients with similar products at similar price points, mm-hmm. and they were more like this. So I feel like there's opportunity there because of that reason. Also, here are a laundry list of things that we know are wrong with the website that might be impacting mm-hmm. this this KPI being lower than what the benchmark is. Um, but I think if just comparing yourself to a benchmark. Uh, you know it's not a fruitful yeah, use of your yeah, time it's yeah, like okay well now get started on improving. what
0: about um, a, a, adding a wide dimension on on price points what i've seen in the past is say average order value um was say 125 125 dollars on a website this is a very hypothetical question um you know um, scenario and um your team was able to 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 maximize you know through upsells cross sells price increases you know quantity bundles Man- managed to increase it to say 190 right so 130 to 190 at the one at the 120 the initial 120 conversion rates was like say 3% but now that conversion rate is um sorry average order value is is 190 is is more you know that 190 200 Mark, you're you're seeing like um conversion rates not being three percent. They dip to two point five percent or two percent or something like that. Is do you can you as you tweak things, you know, upsells and cross sells, does that affect conversions? You know, um conversion rates all in all. Uh, I would just like to understand that relationship between AOV and conversion rates. Is is are they correlated? Is there any causation there or are they two separate metrics we should be optimizing for, regardless?
1: That's a great question. Um, are they correlated? Let's start there. All of these numbers are correlated. They all are interrelated because they none of them exist in a bubble, right? So here's a here's a quick example. I can double your conversion rate on any website out there. With this one simple trick, yeah. It's just cut your <laughs> cut your average price in half and that will double your conversion rate. Now, is that gonna help sales? No, you're probably gonna go out of business. But that you can <laughs> you can increase your conversion rate by steeply discounting. Um, you know, there's a lot of factors out there that can increase your conversion rate. Like one, like one that I like to talk about sometimes to people is like um like acts of God, basically. You know, Kanye West wore your brand's t-shirt. Awesome. There's no way you could have planned for that. You're going to sell out of stock, but there's also no way to have that happen again. Yeah, it's like that's just that's that's kind of like you know a strike of lightning. I would say that maybe even the Shark Tank effect is almost like like something like that as well. Obviously, you can work towards it and get on Shark Shark Tank, but uh, sustainable growth from that is something that's harder to capitalize on. And I'd say you got to go back to still doing the basics after a while uh in kind of increasing these things right and so to back up though to your question you know if aov goes up and conversion rate goes down what does that do i mean there's a simple formula it's just multiply them together with your sessions and you can see like what the delta like is and what the winner is uh but some brands uh for cash flow reasons want more money up front to be able to reinvest back in inventory and customer growth right Other brands would prefer to convert more customers because they understand their lifetime value is higher. So they're okay at the beginning to make less money. Uh, And then all of these definitely play in with your marketing and advertising efforts. Retargeting is always going to be good, but like top of the funnel, net new customer acquisition strategies, that's where you're going to see a lower conversion rate because people aren't as familiar with your brand. So if you double your advertising spend, on, like, a winning campaign, you're gonna see your conversion rate drop because it's a lot more people that are net new to the business. But you could argue that's just gonna grow the business over time when you start retargeting those people and it's gonna be net positive at the end. Um, that's just the game here is there isn't one right solution to do all this. It all really matters kind of to your business, your margin, your risk profile as an entrepreneur. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do it. Good,
0: good answer. Great, terrific answer. Well, I, I also think, you know, when you mention the fact that you can double conversions by reducing price, if you were to reverse that, where you increase price, it would reduce conversions. And with, you know, with that, you know, sort of example. So if we keep like traffic the same, I think it holds true. Given what you you said about um, you know having price,
1: yeah, and this is just something ancillary is. Intelligens lets you do price point mm. testing mm. on their app. Not only with your product price points, uh, they let you do shipping threshold ty- uh, tests, and they'll also let you do um, like custom bundle testing. Mm. Uh, so this whole level mm. of pricing testing is super interesting and intelligence just empowers you to do it it's not sponsored by in-
0: intelligence but I will link to it in the show notes I'll link no to- yeah, i'm just yeah, i'm just yeah. a big fan amazing, of the product amazing 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 incredible i love that because i i remember a few years ago I, I wrote about like the the next frontier you know being like pricing pricing testing in real time and it's it's great to to have that feature in, in intelligence so so i would definitely link to it in the show notes chase um yeah, I think, I think you, you've spoken a lot. Um, one other point I wanted to make is what's your preferred payment gateway?
1: Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I would say just because mm-hmm. I'm like a Shopify boy and that's all we do all day long. It's like Shopify payments just makes everything a lot easier because everything is should be natively mm-hmm. integrated with it. Um, but I understand there are... Uh, reasons why you can't use that gateway
0: in certain scenarios so what would your your second be
1: oh man we don't even have one because it's always so that's a funny question because when people reach out to us and they're building a business in a maybe uh Vice category where Shopify Payments, which if anyone doesn't know, Shopify Payments is just white labeled Stripe. So if it's against Stripe's terms of services, it's against Shopify's terms of services for Shop Pay. So if they're building something, say in CBD or even supplements and and stuff like that, you can't use Shopify Payments. Um, So if they they're coming to us and they want to help building like a net new business, net new store, like one of the first questions we ask is like, hey, do you have a payment gateway yet like do you have a payment provider figured out and if they don't it's kind of like a red flag it's like well they haven't even investigated this far enough to realize that these types of products are, are banned by the platform of choice that they're going after um so you know it depends on how they respond to that information if you know news to them they go out and get a payment gateway and come back like that's all good but i've had some people mm. argue with me about this and it, it was a very interesting mm. conversation
0: yeah and uh, it's just so smooth Well. What- when when I shop as a consumer, it's not like I'm on the lookout for the shop pay, you know, icon in in any way. But it's so pleasing to just see the fact that I just get a mobile notification and the same card that you know on file just gets charged. So it's kind of like a PayPal of sorts to me, um, and it just speeds up yeah. you know the the checkout experience you did mention something about like you know post purchase upsells you know or cross sells post purchase um, in the world of like information marketing when you've provided your um informa- info products yeah, inf- information product marketing when you provide your your details your your credit card details at checkout and this sort of thing happens you don't need to so sort of provide it again it's kind of like a um, you know, confirm button, which sort of again charges your card. Are there any solutions similar to that in in Shopify? Is it achievable at Shop Pay? To 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 what's push, what's a post post purchase experience um, with 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 Shop Pay or in in Shopify? Would you recommend?
1: Yeah, there's a bunch of them out there that do exactly what you're talking about. So you're talking about like Russell That's Brunson, right. ClickFunnels style, like upsell, right. tripwire stuff. All that exists in Shopify these days. Um, Two that we use a lot would be like Rebuy or uh, also After Sell, And then also Checkout Blocks do some interesting stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. Not sponsored by any of those people. But uh, they will allow you on that post-purchase side to your direct question. You do not have to re-enter your credit card information. It's going to modify the original order or create a separate order using the same credit card information. So it's like a one-click upsell. Uh, no additional information. Nothing to to stop adding stuff to mm. the order, the cart. Uh,
0: it's, that's a payment fantastic gateway stuff, yeah. level, is would it, would it still be Shop Pay?
1: So yeah, it's still Shop Pay because um, this was it, maybe a year, eighteen months ago, Shopify forced everyone to move to the checkouts API, and so all of these apps integrate. Directly with the payment gateway through an API versus taking over the payment gateway was what they were doing historically. Um, so it allows you to do all this stuff in token cards on files and all that jazz. Uh, and yeah, okay, still, okay. still the shop. Final better.
0: question: Buy now, pay buy now, pay later (BNPL). Uh, would you would you suggest them in almost all cases? What, what's your take on on conversions with um, with, with with these services?
1: I would say if you have a luxury product that's a higher price point, that's something you should probably look into installing. I would say if someone can't afford a fifty dollar thing and you want to give them like a something like that, maybe are they the best customer for you? Like, are they going to, you know, uh, give you a chargeback at that level? Um, I'd, I'd probably keep those things in mind. Um, I do know that Shopify Payments has their own buy now pay later. Th- Thing I think it might be in partnership with a firm. Um, we don't really have a uh, a dog in that fight. We'll kind of let our our clients do whatever. But obviously, we're going to just lean towards the easiest one to set up, which is the one that's just natively sure. integrated okay. within Shopify.
0: Chase, we, we can go on and on and on. Um, thanks for for the rundown on on, on customer journeys. We really enjoyed it. And Shopify. For those who want to to, to find out, you know, more about what you guys do. What's what's the best place? It's electriceye.io. That, that's um, your website. But but um, how would you suggest you know um, listeners reach out to to you and, and the team and your team?
1: Sure. Um, if you like what I say, but you don't necessarily have like a project that you want to work on or anything like that, just go subscribe to the podcast uh, and listen to me interview brands and kind of learn how they did it. Um, I also interview awesome subject matter experts. Um, all the time as bonus episodes, so you'll soak up knowledge that way. Um, as far as the agency, like uh, it was electriceye.io, um you know, if you're wh- if what I'm saying resonates with you, if you're a brand, you know, uh, you've got product market fit figured out, but you're looking to kind of find those gains when it comes to average order value or conversion rate, uh, reach out the Shopify diagnostic that I talked about kind of throughout this episode. I'm allowed to give away a few of those for free until my business partner yells at me. Normally, uh, we do charge for them. Um, so you know, just click on the contact button, schedule a call with me, and we'll see if you qualify for one of those. Uh, I guess would probably Mention be the best you, way this, to do it. You
0: heard, you heard, Chris, on, on the 2 X Commerce podcast, so he can you know give me some feedback.
1: Oh yeah, please, please, definitely say that you uh, you were on. You heard me here. And that's why you reached out, so I can tell my business partner this, amazing, this is all worth. Amazing,
0: worthwhile. amazing, amazing. Okay, um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, any part-in piece of, of advice? Just um, any 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 parting words, mate. Uh, anything you want to say?
1: Uh, no, this was fantastic. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I'd say uh, something that's a little more common on those diagnostics that we kind of didn't talk about was when we jump into like the code true. and performance true. We stuff. we didn't talk
0: about performance and about if, page load, you know, page load times and that's just super important.
1: Yeah, the, the too long didn't read is it's important. Yeah. <laughs> but uh one of the one uh, super common thing we see is if they are on a legacy theme that isn't OS 2.0, hmm. we kind of just go there's your optimization, upgrade to the new thing cuz everything you're doing is uh technical debt and everything new can't integrate with this old thing um so that's something we're doing quite often is like just upgrading people to that 2.0 thing too um that was just top of mind uh, when you asked
0: good stuff good stuff so with the 2.0 what other new areas in development does it give you access to i'm not oh, man, a developer, sections everywhere
1: way. is dope they're super performant uh, out of the box, all the all the 2.0 themes are more performant than the legacy themes, unless you got something that's super custom that was very well taken care of, which be honest with yourself, people probably wasn't. You probably installed a bunch of apps and all that code is still in there. And it's just a spaghetti mess and nobody wants to fix it. Um, so out of the box, these themes are a lot more performant. And then so sections everywhere. And then now, with how Metafields integrate and objects, uh, you can do really... Cool stuff on these new themes, as far as uh, having data be sourced from specific areas and have stuff uh, automatically populate. Um, All of that's really useful for solving all these interesting problems that are very specific to your use case and your customer.
0: So does that mean it it helps with personalization?
1: Oh, absolutely. Mm.
0: I see where where Shopify is going. It's 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 amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Chris, we we can go on. On and on and on. Um, just quick question again: What book are you reading now? Do you, are you do you do you, are you into books? If if you are, I love books. Yeah.
1: I'll give you two answers. Okay. Uh, what I am literally reading right now is I'm about to finish today. Probably never split the difference by Chris Foss.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, um, I try to make myself you know read a business book every here here and there. But then beyond that, I also am a big fantasy nerd, and I just finished the the, the Red Rising trilogy by Pierce Brown. Mm. Uh, which that one was a very uh, fun change of pace.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and how what are your reading sessions like? Do you, do you read every day or, or weekly? Would you set time over the weekend?
1: I read every day. I'm an audio book guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so usually when I'm out walking the dog, I'm listening to an audiobook. book. Uh, you know, when I'm cooking, when I'm you know trying to wind down before going to bed, um, I'm reading every day, trying to learn something new.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another question I had is, what are your prospects for like 2024? Like, um, what, what do you think? How's, how's 2024 going to compare to 2023? Uh, things are
1: looking up compared to 2023. 2023 was a very interesting year because uh, we were coming off the backside of, uh, there was that huge growth uh, from the pandemic where there was a lot of extra money going around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all that consumer spending made it into the professional services realm. So we had some great years, and then um, everyone was talking about the economy, the economy, the economy, and everyone was like holding, holding on to their budget. Um, so that was that was a very interesting year. But this year is already looking wild. Uh, we're talking to a lot of really cool companies about doing some really cool things on kind of the the business side of stuff. Uh, I mean, we're just trying to build cool websites and work with cool partners to do CRO.
0: Amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, very random question. What's your favorite meal?
1: My favorite meal
0: food food um
1: oh tacos for sure i have a tacos. taco tattoo
0: oh wow wow incredible incredible chase i could go on and on i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this conversation we should do it more um thank you again for coming on the 2x e-commerce podcast
1: absolutely thanks for having me cheers